Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional grade industrial supplies. Count on real time product availability and fast delivery. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Talk Recorded live. I, I don't got much for a Daytona thing, so you can lead that and start it up and all that kind of stuff. I'm trying to get a handle on uh, everything. It took me 10 minutes just trying to get this login going on this phone, so it's a little quirky stuff. Gotcha. Um, you want me to try to call him and connect him? If I log out of this, off of this phone, that's going to piss me off, honestly. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. Give me a second here. Um, what did you think about the yeah. trade, FYI? I don't like it. So. Me neither, dude. That, that, that guy's a fucking bum. I mean, it's a, a slight upgrade at best. And if there's one guy on this team that I wanted to win a championship, it would have been Anderson. And now he can't even come back if they if they cut him he can't come back till next year. They, you yeah, remember I, they put I was that, wait, they I put was that role. those details because I didn't know. Yeah. Um, so now even if uh, and Portland's going to cut him, he's going to end up on another contender. So lovely. I mean, what is Chang Fry really going to do for us? Anyway, all right, let me get him on. D, you there? Yeah. Okay, cool. We got Jordan on. Hey, Jordan, how you doing? What's going on, man? How are you? Doing all right, doing all right. Um, 
Jake, let's do it as two separate things. So. Okay. You want to do uh, just NASCAR, or do you want to yeah. do yeah. Uh, just NASCAR also the CBJ and then, talk? And no, yeah. And then we'll break it off. Okay. Yeah. Cool. All right. All right. Uh, anything else you wanted to add at all, Jordan? No, I think uh, we pretty much hit on it once you with that DM. So I think uh, that's plenty. Cool. Um, you want to be introduced as Jordan Mills, Jordan David Mills. Jordan Mills is just fine. All right. So we're just going to be doing the uh, NASCAR talk. We're, we're CBJ. yeah, we're going to do the NASCAR talk and then just kind of break it so that we can have it as a standalone. Okay, sounds good. And that'll be like kind of our Daytona 500 preview. I like it. All right, cool. This is. This is what, oh, go ahead. You go can ahead, do it. I'm waiting for yeah, you to go voice. <laughs> you, you're used to it. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. Daytona 500 preview show. IMD, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to Seabus, and let's go racing, boys. We are joined today on With an Ohio Bias with uh, Jordan Mills, best known probably for uh, founder <laughs> of the Fifth Line Movement and the CBJ, but also a renowned NASCAR. A very, uh, very big NASCAR fan. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> so we got the Daytona 500 coming up here on Sunday and uh, wanted to get him on to get his thoughts. Uh, about uh, the big race, the Super Bowl of racing, as they call yeah. it. Uh, excited for the excited for this one. I am, man. Um, you know, obviously, given the Blue Jackets season, um, I'm kind of looking forward to uh, a fresh sport to watch, and NASCAR is my go-to after that. So, pretty excited for uh, the new season. A lot, uh, a lot of changes happening this year for uh, for NASCAR. Absolutely. Speaking of fresh, uh, 20 years old, Chase Elliott is replacing Jeff Gordon in the number 24 Chevy, and he's yeah. got the pole position now. Yeah, uh, it's funny how that works out with NASCAR. Um, isn't that crazy? What do, <laughs> but, what do we expect uh, from Chase Elliott? Uh, things. Uh, honestly, I think uh, I don't think he's overhyped uh, in the slightest. Um, you know, he's obviously filling big shoes. Jeff Gordon was my driver uh, ever since I was about five years old. Um, I picked him out, and my dad started taking me to the races, and he was he was my guy ever since he was a part of the Rainbow Warriors. So it's sad to see him go, but, you know, I really think Chase Elliott is uh, the perfect replacement for Gordon. Um, you know, if you think about it, he came in two years ago to the, to the NASCAR Nationwide Series, and in his first season won the championship with uh, with, with Junior Motorsports. So, uh, you know, I think he's obviously has big shoes to fill, but, you know, I don't think he's letting the pressure get to him. I think uh, he has a really good head on his shoulders. Obviously, Bill Elliott is uh, his father, so, you know, he knows how to handle the spotlight, and I think uh, – I really think he's the perfect fit for uh, for Hendrick Motorsports in that 24 ride. Oh, sorry, I had you on mute there. Um, okay. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, I, it looks like this guy's this kid's the real deal. Um, another, another rookie actually is an Ohio kid, uh, Ryan Blaney from Hartford, Ohio. 
Uh, yeah. He'll be at the um, Wood Brothers number 21 car. Full time for the first time this year. Uh, what can we expect from the, the hometown kid? Yeah, full time for Wood Brothers. Uh, Wood Brothers is actually uh, they were part time for the past couple of years, so uh, they're fine. They're coming back strong. Uh, they're linking up with actually Penske uh, Racing, which is you know home of uh, Joey Logano, Brad Keselowski, some of the top Ford guys out there. That you know they've joined an alliance with them. So to have that backing with Penske, honestly, I think Ryan Blaney is really going to give Chase Elliott a run for his money when it comes to Rookie of the Year. Um, obviously he's from Ohio, his dad's Dave Blaney, you know, he has that, uh, he has the famous father, the, the Buckeye bullet for in NASCAR. So I think that, uh, you know, with given the, the family heritage and history in the sport, he's also another young driver. You got to watch. He has a good head on his shoulders and he showed some great, so he raced a part-time with Wood Brothers last year in the Sprint Cup series. He showed some great poise, some great talent, and he was up there competing, uh, for, for top tens and, uh, at the time, you know, they didn't have an alliance with Penske, I don't think. So, you know, that was showing a lot of promise. So I think he's a guy you got to look for. He's from Ohio. I'm I'm going to be rooting for him this season. And, uh, you know, I think, like I said, he's going to be giving Chase Elliott uh, a run for his money for the uh, for the Rookie of the Year title. Hey, Jordan, give uh, the casual fan or somebody, like you said, who wants to turn the page from some of the uh, terrible sports last season and try to get <laughs> yeah. into NASCAR, Give us an idea of, you know, how the, how the Sprint Cup Series works and, and all that. And then also, too, there's a couple of new procedural things going on with the Daytona 500 this year, just if you could touch on that as well. Yeah, so, I mean, um, NASCAR, from a stand, from there's there's 40, 40 spots uh, each race now this year. They've actually, speaking of procedural, um, they, they've narrowed the field down from 43 to 40 this year. Um, and on top of that, uh, NASCAR has now changed their ownership structure to um, 36 charters. So in a sense, a charter is now kind of like a franchise. So um, teams are awarded this charter, and those 36 charters are guaranteed a spot in every single race um, this year. And there's there's only four open spots beyond those 36 charters where teams that don't that were not awarded a charter can actually race their way in. So that's the big procedural things that have changed um, during the off season. And, uh, you know, for instance, Hendrick Motorsports, home of Jimmy Johnson, Jeff Gordon, Chase Elliott, Casey Kane, they have four charters. And you, uh, maybe if you're Rick Hendrick, you could say, all right, well, next year, I don't want my, one of my charters. He could actually sell it off to another team. That's something that's new in NASCAR um, as of this year. And um, that's really from an, from uh, a perspective of they want to keep sponsorships in the sport. You know, if you're guaranteed to start the race, you know, that's sponsorships, you know, they, they want their, their logo on that car. They want to know it's going to be seen by a lot of people. So that's a, a big step and a, and a good direction for, for NASCAR. But uh, you know, from a casual fan, just kind of flipping through the channels, watching it, I think you really got to understand that it's more than just cars going left in a circle. You know, it's about endurance. It's about, strategy pitch strategy um there's there's so much more that goes into it just like any sport really and uh you know it's something that you got to sit down and just kind of listen to the commentators go through what's happening and and really you can gain an appreciation i think with any sport you got to go see it live and nascar i think is a big sport where you got to see it live because you know a lot of people are kind of disinterested in watching cars going around in a circle for, for three or four hours on a tv but if you go see it live, I think you, you know, you'll be hooked, you'll be a fan, 
And, uh, you know, that's something that I've taken my friends to races that had, they had zero interest in ever watching a NASCAR race. And I, you know, I took them to, um, Kentucky. I've taken some friends to Eldora here in Ohio. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, since then, you know, I'll sit down and watch the TV and they're engaged with it. They, they're like, Oh, this is happening. Oh, I remember when that happened. And, you know, just, it's just little things that you pick up over time that, uh, you know, I think is, is big if, if you want to get into the sport. Since we're kind of talking NASCAR 101 here, um, I understand that, you know, it's a team effort. Everybody's involved. But when you're talking about winning an individual race, if you could put a hierarchy on the importance of, uh, I would say, crew, driver, and car, what has to be one, two, and three as far as importance in things working together, understanding that it is a team effort? Yeah, um, I think obviously at all, majority of it stem from your crew. Um, you know, that's the crew is obviously the guys; they're the ones putting the cars together. If from from the shop back in Charlotte to the racetrack, they're the ones that you know are putting in the countless hours. So, I think it all stems from the crew, which in in turn is also your team. And you know, your team's gonna. If you're a NASCAR driver going 200 miles an hour into a corner, you got to trust that car's gonna stick in that corner. You know, you got to trust that your team put together a great car. And you could be the best driver in the world, and if your team is not providing great equipment for you, and they're not, you know, giving you the right adjustments, and you know your car's all out of whack, you're gonna be a great driver finishing last in, in these races. So I think it all stems from your crew, um, your crew chief. And, uh, you know, it really goes from there. So, um, it's, a, it is, a, it's, it's just as big as a team sport as hockey is, as, as baseball, as football, um, any, any team sport out there. I mean, NASCAR is a team sport. And I think a lot of people don't realize that because, you know, you, you see the, the number on the side of the car, you see the name on, on the, on the, on the dash, and uh, you just think of, of the driver and you don't think of the crew. But, uh, I think in recent years too, with, with television, Fox, NBC, they've been doing a great job of starting to highlight people within the crew uh, during the race. And, you know, they have the, the helmet cams for pit stops and they're really trying to engage the fan in a better way to uh, say that, you know, this is not just about the drivers. It is about the crews as well. Well, going back to your boyhood uh, hero, Jeff Gordon, he's uh, going to make a transition out from behind the wheel to behind a microphone. Uh, how Position goes. Are you looking forward to his commentary? Um, just give me an overall sense of how you think he'll he'll fare in broadcasting. I think he's going to do great. I mean, obviously, you know, he's uh, yeah, he's been behind. He was behind the wheel for 23 years. Uh, now he's getting behind the mic for the first time. But you know, he's so polished, and and he has been probably one of the main reasons NASCAR took off in the 90s. He was so he was just a polished, well-spoken. NASCAR driver and uh you know he was you know he was on Saturday Night Live he was the very first NASCAR driver to ever host Saturday Night Live he was the first NASCAR driver to co-host like live with Reeves and Kelly he really brought NASCAR into the mainstream secular world and uh you know so he's well spoken he's well polished he knows how to handle um the, the 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 microphone so you know I think him being in the Fox broadcast booth is just a brilliant move by Fox and um, I'm really looking forward to it. I've already watched a lot of the, the, uh, the Daytona coverage this week, and they, they've already had him doing some of the practices. He's doing 
the, uh, the the Can-Am duels tonight, and he's doing a phenomenal job. Certainly, it's a little weird seeing him in a actual suit, not a driver's suit, but uh, <laughs> it's certainly it's it's great that he's still going to be a part of uh, of NASCAR uh, this year, and and hopefully for years to come uh, b- behind the microphone. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of a guy that's uh, on his way out uh, or was scheduled to be on his way out is Tony Stewart, uh, who had a major back injury. Um, When can we expect to see Tony Stewart back this season? And on the heels of that, he announced that this will be his last year. He's retiring at the end of the year. Do you think this back injury may change some things? And how would you go about finding a ride uh, if he did want to come back next year? Yeah, I mean, with Tony Stewart, he he owns his own team, so finding a ride is not going to be an issue. Uh, he owns that 14 car that he drives in, um, but uh, you know, it's very disappointing. You know, this he's, he's he's come out and said that he this is his last year. Even after his backstory, he said, "No, I'm done. You know, this is it for me." Um, it's unfortunate that uh, he had that incident. You know, Tony Stewart's a racer, and you know he's going to get his his hands on anything he can. And so when, you know, he was out there in the desert, he was in uh, some sand dune buggy thing. And that's how he ended up breaking his back. And uh, it's unfortunate because, you know, he, he wanted to really go out in, in a big fashion. Uh, he's never won the Daytona 500, and that's the most coveted race in NASCAR. And the fact that now this is his last year and, you know, he's not going to be able to be a part of that is kind of disheartening, kind of sad for his fans and him. But, uh, you know, I think from what the reports that I've heard, it could be anywhere from three to six months for Tony Stewart. And NASCAR is one of the longest, uh, I think it is actually the longest professional sports um, series. So I think there's a nine months that we race in. So, um, you know, he can, he can come back for maybe a third of the season from what I, from what I gather. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'm not a doctor. I don't really know uh, everything about the, his injury, but uh, it's, it's pretty sad to see uh, him go out this way. Hopefully he can come back, maybe at least get a win to end his season. But, uh, you know, he certainly I – don't, I don't think he's going to be a threat for the championship if he's going to miss this many races. And to be clear, he's, he's retiring from the Sprint Cup Series. He's Like <laughs> yeah. you said, he's a racer at heart. Uh, oh, I know absolutely. he wants to manage a track, and he owns – has a lot of interest in, uh, in racing. He, he'll be back out there racing, whether it's at the Sprint Cup or not. Oh, absolutely. And he, he actually owns a track in Ohio called Eldora Speedway. It's a dirt track, and I frequent that track every year. Um, it's actually one of the only uh, NASCAR-sanctioned, where one of the top touring series of NASCAR, the NASCAR Truck Series, races on this track, and then it's a dirt track. Um, so it's it's a very unique course, very very unique track, and to see the NASCAR Truck Series on dirt is extremely entertaining, and it's one of the most... Uh, thrilling events that I look forward to going to each year. Um, but yeah, he, it's about a mile or about an hour and a half from uh, Columbus and Rossburg, Ohio. And uh, he's, I know he's there all the time. And the last truck series race I was at, he was out on the tractor plowing the dirt, getting it ready, for, getting it ready for the, for the race. So like I, he, like I said, he'll get his hands on literally anything that has wheels. And uh, it's, uh, it's like I said, it's sad to see that uh, he's not going to be a part of this season for full time racing, but uh, I think we'll definitely see him back in the 14 uh, at some point in the season. Not, not to get controversial or anything, but uh, we see it with other sports and other athletes where, you know, fans and critics, you know, if it's the media, you know, um, get on athletes right now. You see Rory McIlroy, people questioning his strength and conditioning. Uh, they did it with Tiger as well. Um, 
we know that there was a lot of questions about why he was racing when the uh, the death of the young man uh, yeah. in upstate New York. I mean, but at this point, if you're part of the Tony Stewart circle, was there any question, or even as a fan perspective, Jordan, of maybe you scale back the other races so that you could have, you know, ended your career the way you wanted to? Yeah, you know, that's something when I first heard the news of, of – his incident over the off season of him breaking his back. That's, that was my first thought. I was kind of like, well, you know, this is because in the past couple of years, he's had a lot of, he's had a lot of things happen to him uh, before the incident where uh, the death of Kevin Ward jr. Where um, it was the, the accidental hit of, of him when Kevin Ward jr. Came on the track um, uh, previously that year, he broke his leg and he was, he broke his leg in a sprint car. And, and, um, and that resulted in, in him missing um, about half the NASCAR season, and I think it was in 2013. And then in 2014 is when the, he he hit Kevin Ward Jr. on the track, and then you know he missed a couple races there. And now we have his back injury this year. And and with all these events happening, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm always thinking, you know, well, you know, NASCAR and his sponsors are paying about 20 some million dollars to be on the hood of that car. And and if it was up to me, you know, I would probably scale it back a little bit if I was Tony Stewart. But at the same time, you got to go back to the fact that he's a racer and he wants to get his hands on anything. And and I think if it was early on in in his NASCAR career, I think that uh, that's something that it considering that he didn't own a team, own his own team early on in his career. I think if he, if I was Joe Gibbs, I would have said, hey, you know, you you really got to scale this back. You know, there's a lot of money on the line a lot of money invested in you. I think you shouldn't be going out here and doing this, but the fact that he owns his own team now, you know, he's out there, uh, he's forking over his own money. He's on the the back end of his career. Maybe there's not as much pressure or responsibility from his standpoint. So he feels that he can kind of do whatever he wants, which is understandable. But at the same time, you know, there's a lot of people's jobs, there's his sponsorships and all that at stake. So I think um, yeah, if I was him, I, I, I would, I would try to scale it back a little bit and, and try to focus on on your primary objective and goal, which is the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. Yeah, I only ask because, I mean, you if you think about it, I mean, I, I guess, uh, who was it, Jeff Kent comes to mind, or even Terrell Suggs, who was playing to pick up other athletes doing other, you know, uh, you go back yeah. to Rory, who got hurt playing a game of soccer. I mean, with, with the I know it's the, you know, enthusiasm, or not enthusiasm, uh, it's the the driven part of the racer to want to get anything that moves yeah. and race. But it's like, you don't see LeBron James playing pickup games, you know, uh-huh. at the at, outside Jesse Owens. You understand what I'm saying? Like, it's not worth Oh, the, yeah, no, I, I the, totally It's not worth the I... for the risk. You're, so that's the oh, only I thing, know, you know, know. like, it's, I, maybe that's a little thing that's unique to racing that, you know, it's hard for uh, some folks to wrap their head around. Yeah, no, I totally, I totally get what you're saying, and and ultimately it comes down to people just, I guess, living their life and and doing what they want to do, and you know, I, I guess I respect that, but um, if you're the if you're that athlete, you know, you got to realize the risk, and there's a lot of risk involved, and then especially with NASCAR because NASCAR is all about sponsorships, and I'm sure every even even if you're just a casual fan or not a fan at all, I mean, you can when they get out of the car, you know, they there's saying, you know, I want to thank M&M's, Gatorade, Skittles, you know, all that stuff. They, they, they list it all off. And that's what NASCAR comes down to. And, NAS, and and the sponsorships are putting their faith in a person, a driver. 
and you know they are a representation of that brand. So when that driver gets hurt um, doing something that's not NASCAR related, you know you uh, you might be putting at risk that sponsor coming back to your car next year. And I think uh, you know if you're a NASCAR driver or an athlete, you know you really got to think of the risk and uh, maybe maybe scale down your your off track or off court or field activities. And then one more follow up: Where do you think this leaves Smoke's legacy at? I think um, I don't think it's going to tarnish it at all, you know, especially with the Kevin Ward incident at the sprint uh, car track uh, race. But I think, uh, you know, he's he's won three championships in the NASCAR Sprint Cup Series. He's won the Indianapolis 500. He's won, I think, over 50 races in, in the series. So I don't think this is going to tarnish his legacy at all. Um, obviously, he's not on par with Jeff Gordon. Jeff Gordon's a whole other animal. Um, but I think, you know, he's still going to be a Hall of Famer. That's that's without question. Um, he had some great he had some great years in, in the '90s and early 2000s, and um, but yeah, like I said, I don't think it's going to tarnish his legacy at all. Well, uh, maybe I I phrased that question the wrong way. I didn't mean like tarnish his legacy, but basically, with the questions prior to that about scaling it back, what could his legacy yeah. have been if you know? And you, I'm not trying to take back all the things, mm-hmm. but. You know, if you think about yeah. not racing and not injuring his leg and now not injuring the back, which we know it doesn't matter what sport you're in, a back injury is the worst thing you want to hear from, you know, the athlete that yeah. you follow. You know, like, you just, because it can yeah, be a debilitating thing that, you know, becomes chronic, so. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't think, obviously, you know, we're talking about a, a two-and-a-half-year span, I think, um, where he missed races or two-and-a-half seasons where he's missed races. Um I think, you know, that could have probably given him maybe five to seven more wins. I don't think it's anything too crazy. Um, maybe possibly a Daytona 500. I don't I don't know. But, uh, you know, I don't think um, that's going to upset anything that's already happened or, or anything like that. So. And we're talking with Jordan Mills. A uh, little Daytona 500 preview. That's going to be Sunday one. Fox, and I guess, Jordan, give us a couple uh, guys to watch, maybe a couple storylines, and uh, give me your give me your guy. Who's going to win this thing? Um, I honestly, I have it between three guys, and I think it's either going to be, we're going to see a complete upset, and I've seen, I'm not saying this because we've talked, we talked about him earlier today on the podcast, and he's from Ohio. But I think, honestly, Ryan Blaney has a great shot at uh, pulling off an upset in the Daytona 500. We've already seen the Wood Brothers in 2011 with Trevor Bain pull off a huge upset. I think it was his second NASCAR Sprint Cup Series start. So the Wood Brothers kind of have that thing going for them where they could possibly win the 500, um, and nobody expected. Um, I think you know his practicing with uh, – he was doing great tonight in, in, in the Gatorade duels or the, the Pan Am duels, whatever they're calling it this year. Uh, I think Dale Earnhardt Jr., he is extremely fast this week. Um, he has been, I think even Carl Edward, no, it was Martin Truex Jr. tweeted at him and said, okay, you can stop practicing now. We get it. You're fast. So uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think Jr.'s won it a, cu- a handful of times already. I could see the 88 back in victory lane uh, this, this weekend. And another guy I'm looking at is Denny Hamlin in that 11 FedEx car for Joe Gibbs Racing. He's been pretty fast. He actually – won uh last weekend he won the the sprint unlimited um just the the race with no points attached it's a fun race to get the season kind of started so 
I think those three guys are the guys to watch. So Dale Jr., Dave Blaney, and, uh, and, and, and Denny Hamlin. Great stuff. Thanks, Jordan. Really appreciate it. Us in Ohio here will be rooting for the Blaney's to bring home yeah. the checkered flag. Uh, Absolutely. I appreciate you guys having me on. Great day out in uh, Daytona. So, Absolutely. And uh, uh, next time, I don't understand. Uh, oh, go ahead. Uh, I don't understand why anybody wouldn't can, be watching uh, the Daytona 500. On Sunday, yeah, so it's, there's uh, nothing. There's literally no, nothing else going on in sports. Maybe a little college basketball and a little NBA later on in the day. So, yeah, it's definitely worth watching. And also Daytona, they redid their whole grandstands on the front stretch. They call it the whole Daytona Rising Project. That's a. I mean, if you watch the race, I mean the the whole front stretch just looks incredible now. And so it's definitely if you're not going to watch for the race, at least watch it and, and and see what they did. It's now a it's no longer a speedway; it is a motorsports stadium, is what they're calling it. So it's pretty pretty sweet. But um, but yeah, maybe next time when I'm on the podcast, we can uh, be talking about the jackets going to the Stanley Cup here. <laughs> well, Amen. We might be waiting 500 uh, Daytona Day uh, years for that one. But uh, uh, one thing I will <laughs> yeah. one thing I will say is this very cool NASCAR has an app which lets you pick up the different crew channels. Um, yeah. And I, I used it maybe a year ago. for one, uh, It had to be for one of the big races, and it was awesome. It really was awesome. So I'm going to make sure I include that link with the uh, post of the podcast. So I just wanted to pick that. That was one of the cool fan things that you talked about. Um, you can find it sometimes on your le- local radio, like TuneIn app and stuff like that. And it's just great to hear yeah. the guys go back and forth as, they, uh, as the race goes on. So that gives you a little bit more uh, – you know, then your usual uh, banter and calls from the commentary black Fox. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one thing NASCAR is so good with is really engaging the fans. Um, you know, you can you can use that app. Also, I know you can go on NASCAR.com and you can follow your favorite driver. And they a lot of times they actually have a camera view of your of your favorite driver going around the track. And you can listen to the radio communication. And um, also, NASCAR is one of you know I think one of the only sports that lets you go down in the garage area if you are a fan, which is pretty cool. Cause if you think about it, you, you know, you can't go in the locker room uh, of a football team or bat basketball team. And so to, to get that kind of access is so awesome. And that's one thing NASCAR does right is really making the fans happy and, 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 and continually engaging with them. Great stuff, Jordan. Yeah. Thank you guys. Thanks a lot. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me on, boys. Uh, yeah, just uh, whenever you guys post it, just uh, tag me, and I'll make sure to put out the word. Yeah, we're still talking jackets real quick, so. Yeah, so oh, we're, okay, we're nice. just okay. yeah, we're just putting a little separation there. Okay, cool. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and Jake. CBJ Crosscheck, IMD, Cleveland born and raised, Buckeye born and bred. And I'm Jake from Youngstown to Seabus. We're talking fuck. All right, in this podcast, of course, we're talking your Columbus Blue Jackets. We're so happy to be joined by uh, the CBJ Artillery and we are the fifth line, hashtag creator, Jordan D. Mills. Um, we will be going into the Blue Jackets season. Who's to blame? No, I'm joking. We'll go into the <laughs> we'll be looking at the Blue Jackets season. That's a very uh, big over where we are right now with the with the franchise and also looking to the future to see what can be done and who should 
also still be here when the dust settles at the end of the season. Jordan, no, thanks for talking a little CBJ with us here. Um, kind of a tale of two halves of the season, isn't it? Yeah, it really is. Um, it's been an interesting season, to say the least. But, uh, you know, we're we're doing the typical Jackets thing where we were last place for a long time and we were kind of maybe might get that, that first draft pick for the next <laughs> season. And now all of a sudden we're winning, which, you know, it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's like, hey, we're winning. That's great. I'm happy. But then it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, we could have had Austin Matthews. Looks like we're not going to do that now. <laughs> you know what? You bring up a good point there because it's something I think about a lot with this team. It's like anytime there's expectations or pressure on this roster, uh, it seems like it, it, it's a struggle to find confidence and, and get two points. We yeah. take all the pressure off and you're in last place. Uh, all of a sudden, this team starts reeling off 12 or 14. It kills yep. your sh- your shot at a uh, top three draft pick, which we all know last year was huge, and this year is going to be oh, just yeah. about as big. Um, yeah. it, it, is it a, a systematic problem that this is the case? And and how do you, I, I, I know that's a big question to ask, but yeah, how do you think you go about just? Is this something that Tortorella is starting? Can you see some results from? John Tortorella's uh, impact on this team in that regard? Yeah. Um, in Is terms of the first part, the, the, yeah, I mean, in, ter- in terms of the first part, the systematic thing, I I don't know what the, the problem is. I don't know what – because what you touched on, when there's expectation put on this team, it seems like, you know, we kind of just hold up. And that's kind of been historically uh, what we do. And – but when it comes to, you know, I think I'm starting to see the John Tortorella system. And there was a game last week, I forget who we were playing, but he said we, we, we won the game. And he said, you know, this was by far the best game that I've seen from start to finish um, from from our guys since I've been here. So, um, you know, I think I think it's a mixture of, you know, it's we're seeing the way John Tortorella is wants this team to play. And the fact that there is no pressure now, and you know, when there's no pressure on you to win, you're you're more apt to maybe try some different things as a player, you know. So I think uh, we're seeing maybe a mixture of, of of both worlds right now. I think it's a positive thing that you're you are still winning games in a situation where it really doesn't matter if you win or lose games. Yeah. So in, in that regard, I, I always find the the positive from this team until the start of the next season, uh, yeah. it, it seems like. And uh, I, I think that that demeanor uh, that John is trying to bring in here, uh, th- that's the fix. Am I too far off on that, mm-hmm. you think? No, not at all. I'm, I think you're you're right there with it. And, uh, you know, I I would much rather see this team to start winning late in the season than, than see them fold up and lose and we get a number one draft pick. You know, sure, it's going to be – it would be nice to – have that opportunity to get an Austin Matthews, but the fact that we are still winning and or we're starting to win now, I think, is a testament to you know the 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 type of play that John Tortorella demands each each game. So, uh, yeah, I think you're you're spot on with 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 what you're saying there. All right, Jordan. My my question. I, I I've been very critical of our GM, and it just seems to me, and this was. Uh, you know, I'm I'm not the hardcore hockey fan, but I follow the team. I've been following the team since they came to Columbus. So 
my question is, when the Brandon Saad trade, we saw some of uh, mm-hmm. the Blue Jackets that we love. I know you love these guys, too. We saw those guys shipped out for Brandon Saad. To me, yeah. the tenor of uh, – not the tenor, but the tone of the Blue Jackets changed. And then to start the season, we hear things from Bobrovsky and the, the guys just saying things that don't even make sense coming out of that locker room and whatnot. How much mm-hmm. with the – and it, here's the question. How much with the turnover um, that has been made do – have the Blue Jackets lost their identity? I mean, uh, Jake framed it perfectly with the expectations, but to me, who's the face of the Blue Jackets right now? We know Saad represented them at the NHL All-Star game. We know Nick Foligno is the captain, but still, I I think they're searching for that to get behind, and isn't that what was supposed to, to bring bring up the trades again, isn't that what's supposed to happen? And, you know, I love Seth Jones being there, but we also see another guy that we have, seeing what they're capable of doing when everybody was healthy. That's what we were waiting for. But now that has been taken away from us by the moves of the management. Yeah. Um, you know, I think, I think you're right with where is our identity. I, I do believe that it has, there's, I think kind of still searching for it. I think it's being discovered. Uh, but you know, the past couple of years under, under Todd Richards, our identity was grit. Our identity was, a uh, blue collar team hockey team that was going to, you know, never, never stop working brick by brick, you know, all that stuff. So I think, um, you know, John Tortorella still has uh, some of that in his coaching style. Um, but at the same time, you know, we, we have lost, you know, four or five of, of those guys that we had on our playoff or more than that, actually on our playoff team that, you know, had that, that grit per, per persona. So I think the identity is still, I think we're still trying to find it, and I think we're finding it. But uh, I think there's still that mixture of of possibly the Richards regime and 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 the the Tortorella regime, where they they still need to find that that identity of of who they are. And I think I think it's I think Tortorella's system is really starting to come into play, and I think we're starting to see the results of it now because we're being more consistent with 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 what he's wanting. But uh, you know, it's 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 interesting because you know i we definitely i think we lost the face of our franchise which was ryan i think was headed in the direction of ryan johansson uh we did get seth jones which is something that we really desperately needed um you know seth jones on the stat sheet's not going to give you he's not going to be flashy he's not going to be giving you all the goals but what he does is so important and his his blue line presence um is you know he's what he's doing is what we have always needed you know, you, when he's at that blue line, you can pretty much guarantee it's not going to be turned over. He's going to keep it in the zone. So, you know, I think I honestly like the Johansson-Seth Jones trade. Um, Saad being on this team, you know, Saad's a fantastic player. But at the same time, we did give up three really good players. And, um, you know, some of the guys that we gave up were were pretty good depth guys on, on that third and fourth line, which are lines that have been struggling this year. Um, not resigning the test two, I think, possibly – <clears throat> was uh, one guy that was really brought a lot to our third, third and fourth lines. He, he yep. was a veteran presence that that really knew how to command the puck and really knew how to set up plays. Uh, losing an easy mob, he's doing fantastic in, in Chicago. Obviously, you know he has uh, probably a little better players he's working with. So his numbers are pretty <laughs> high. <laughs> his numbers are pretty high right now in Chicago. They wouldn't be that way in Columbus. But at the same time, he was a great third line center that. Um, knew 
knew how to set up plays, knew how to knew how to work the puck, and and that's something that I think we we were lacking. Our fourth line, you know, for for half more than half the season was just when it came out, I couldn't look at it. You know, I was I, just, <laughs> I didn't didn't want to see it. Who the um, hell are these guys? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's just kind of a crapshoot. Okay, who can we put on the fourth line tonight? Okay, you're you you can skate. All right, you go you go out there. But at the same time, you know, we've seen the emergence of Winberg. We've seen the emergence of Carlson. And these are two yeah. guys that I think have a really bright future with the Blue Jackets, and especially Winberg. Do you well, think we've seen – when is it – hold on. Let me get in here with this. When is it fair or not fair, or when does the heat not go to who's behind the bench on the ice and it goes upstairs mm-hmm. inside Nationwide Arena? That's what my question is. Yeah. Because that's where I'm pointing the finger right now. And I, this is me saying this. I think it's time for a change there, considering – Everything that's been lost, and where we are as the season, you know, maybe I yeah. being a Browns fan, and I know you can go there being a Browns fan. And, <laughs> and, 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 yeah, I want to fire everybody all the time when things aren't working. But yeah, honestly, every, every single I season, that, I that, that, everything that you just went through, the and, and Jake, you know, me and him got into a big argument on the podcast about it. The side trade to me did not make sense at that moment, giving up all those mm-hmm. guys who had proved themselves to this organization that they could be the future. Yeah. I mean, and just not, I just felt like they didn't get a fair shake here. Um, and, I mean, I know it's yeah. a business, so I, I, I can't argue the merits he's won. Uh, Artem, you definitely can argue it just because of what he's done since. I know, like mm-hmm. you said, he's playing on a – it's like taking a guy and putting him on an all-star team, basically sending them to the Blackhawks. Yeah. But, uh, it, yeah. it but he was the, he was the guy who, when you needed something – like you said, some things are bigger than, you know, numbers. And when you needed something from the Blue Jackets deep in a period, in third period or something, he would come up. You know, like, oh, you yeah, he yeah. he's somebody, he's like, somebody, he I would, so yeah, you could count yeah. on. Yeah. But when can yeah, we, you, I mean, can I, can I throw the coals on the grill at least? I might not like the fire on the seat, but can I at least throw the coals yeah, and get it um, ready? You know, I'm not stoking the flames. I'll tell you but, what, you, know. you can at least, you can at least get the bag of coals out of the garage. Thank maybe, you. Maybe, maybe not light them quite yet. Um, I still believe, I mean, you gotta, you gotta think John Davidson has been around hockey for forever and he's, he's, he knows what he's doing. Um, I think this season, yes, has been a disappointment. And I think there was a lot of expectations and I think us finishing, I I forget what we finished. We were like 15, two and and one at the, was what we finished out the previous season. And I think that put a lot of hope in this upcoming season. I think that hope really turned out to be just false expectations. And I think I think we got on a, a hot streak. And and you know, in any any sport, when you get on a hot streak, you know, you may not have the most talented guys, but when you're clicking, you're clicking. And for whatever reason, that just didn't carry over into this season. And I think we got a little maybe full of ourselves, and we thought that we were better than we were. And is that management? I mean, is that management's issue? Maybe, but at the same time, I think I think we need to give Yarmo and, and JD a couple more years with this team, and uh, maybe you know mold it into something that uh, that is, is 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 their identity. Because I mean, ultimately, the majority of the guys that were on that playoff team we had were all Houston's guys, and so I mean, John Davidson, Yarmo Kekalainen, they brought in a few guys, yes. But, you know, Bobrovsky is even Houston's guy. So I think give it a couple more years. Let let them, you know, mold 
their team through the draft, which is what they're with, with Winberg, you know, Reichel. Those are a couple of the guys that, that they've drafted. So um, we still got, uh, you know, Oliver Borkstrand down in, up in Cleveland. We have um, uh, Tom Milano. Who's the top defenseman they'll be ready next year? Uh, uh, Warinsky. Yeah, Warinsky. Yeah. Yeah, he. I mean, he should be. I would. I would expect him to be on the team next year. Honestly, I think he's. Yeah. I think he's a guy. I mean, I don't. He hasn't been in Cleveland yet. I don't know if they're going to send him to Cleveland next year because he's still playing for Michigan. Um, but I think he's a guy that the Jackets are really wanting to get in a D spot with 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 the CBJ pretty quick. So, um, you know, if we could get him up here, I'm not sure how far out Milano, Borkstrand are. But, uh, you know, I want to see Yarmo and J.D. mold this team in the next couple of years to their liking and then see what happens. You know, if then it is not successful, then maybe maybe it is time for a change. Well, let's take it here and let's talk about the fifth line. Um, At the beginning of the season, with everything going on, people were booing the team, booing everything going on there inside Nationwide Arena. Um, You know, the winning has come back at home. I mean, they were winning some games on the road, not many, as we know, the way the season started, but they were not winning at home. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was. Yeah. So you're you're saying that you want to give them time and whatnot. I mean, is it going to be you know maybe you, Matt Suffer, uh, uh, Kevin J. Valentin, and maybe a couple other diehards left here in five years when the CBJ start winning, or what, how do you see the fan base moving forward? Yeah. I mean, uh, that might be it. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Uh, no, I think there's there's such a solid foundation of, of fifth liners out there. I mean. You got to think we've been around now for 15, 16 years and Hey, we're still averaging 12, 13, 14,000 a night. That's not bad, especially given the fact we're almost last place. So, uh, you know, I think there's, there's such a diehard group of, of fifth liners and, and jackets fans in, in central Ohio. And, and now the whole state because now we got Cleveland on board with the Lake area monsters. So, um, you know, I think, yeah, it's frustrating, and yeah, that's pretty much the Ohio sports motto. Unless your motto, unless you're Ohio State, it, it, you know, give it a couple of years, we'll see where we're at. You know, especially the Browns. But uh, you know, I think, you know, we, we got we have a very solid foundation of fifth liners, and I don't think they're going anywhere anytime soon. You know, and. and I want to stick up for for this core a little bit here and, and the master plan. You know, you brought in John Tortorella here, and you're not going to fire the front office the moment you bring him in. You're going to have at least two years uh, to get this mm-hmm. thing right. And what I do like is that they're building the back line, the blue line, with young guys. Yeah. you got you got Ryan Murray. Now you have Seth Jones, both under the age of 24. Seth Jones is 21. He's already played yeah. 100. And, and- and they just games. locked up. Uh, they just locked up Ryan Murray to a, a couple year contract. A couple more years, and you've yeah. got Savard also locked up, and you're going to add Warinsky into this mix. So that now you've got a little bit more sturdy of a, a top mm-hmm. four defenseman. And I, I, in my opinion, I don't think we've seen uh, the best out of Brandon Saad yet. I think we see a tentative Brandon Saad, yeah. someone who's a little unsure of, of what his role, what he needs to be doing. And I think yeah. I think I think that comes down yeah I think that comes down to his, his supporting cast you know when right. when when you can get help then you can really figure out who you are on this team and I think you know he hasn't been getting the best of help that he could be getting and he's still putting up career best numbers so that's a testament to, to his talent. And then when you talk about uh, Wenberg and Sonny Milano coming in and the guys that are already up here like Bill Carlson 
Um, th- I think there's a, a very I, I could see a plan is what I'm trying to say. I actually see yeah. a, 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 a an identity forming of what they're trying to do. Uh, so mm-hmm. I, I I think that there was a delicate balance of the Scott Housen era and Todd Richards also not being there, Yarmo's head coach. Yeah. Um, it's it's kind of in that transition era. So we're just at the beginning, in my opinion, of this management team. I well, think we're going to give it well, every opportunity. Okay, well, let me let, let me ask this question this way. How much time, considering John, considering Tortilla's history, we know he hasn't been with a franchise too long, at least in the last couple mm-hmm. stops. So how much time will the front office give him? And then to piggyback with that, who goes if it doesn't work out in the next two to three years? They'll the Jackets don't make the they playoffs. They all go. They okay. all go. Because that, that was my that's my next logical yeah. question. Is it yeah. you know yeah. the front office or Torch? No, it's all of them at once. I think don't you, Jordan? Yeah, I mean if, if they can't get it together within the next couple of years, um, I would say within next year. I, I, if we yeah. can't get if we can't be competitive every single right. night, and and the 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 inconsistencies are are still there, I think things will, I think the fans will more so demand that something happens, you know. Mm-hmm. I don't think John Tortorella is going to go next, within the next couple of years. I think, I think he's, or I think he'll be here for, for a couple, at least a couple more years if, if, if there's no success. Um, but, you know, I think, uh, yeah, I think you're, you're spot on with what you said, you know, within the, within the next couple of years, if, if, if this team's not winning, I could see just a whole overhaul of of the front office. And, and the I thing, think where, the thing I was trying to mention with Torts, hold on. The thing I was trying to mention with Torts is if he can last, not so much if like, it's also with the front office and, and Davidson letting him last, but we know how this guy is in a press conference. I mean, he's a he's a time bomb, so he might blow yeah. up and, no, I, and write his own. I think um, I think I think he'll last. Uh, if you listen to any of his uh, his interviews, um, he's pretty much said that he's trying to in a nutshell better himself you know he, he's not he's he even pretty much said that he there's been moments where he has overreacted um obviously the the incident in in vancouver uh being one of them and in, in new york as well he's had a couple incidents but i think he has we've seen a very very calm john tortorella he's mellowing head coach of the blues we yeah, got the exactly. kindly, we got the, we got the no, i got the line we got the kind legentor john tortorella is that what you're telling me yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I mean, I think he really is. I mean, we have not seen the John Tortorella that you would, that you see on YouTube. And I think those are just kind of separate incidences that, uh, you know, Hey, you know, if you're in the, if you're a coach and you're getting asked stupid, if I was getting asked stupid questions, I would probably react the same way. You know, I'm, I have a very low tolerance for just stupid questions. So, you know, I, if you're getting that asked repeatedly over and over and over, Heck, I don't blame John Tortorella for for responding to the way he does sometimes, but but yeah, we've seen a very mellow John Tortorella this year. We're still getting some great quotes and some great post game pressers, so I. I <laughs> oh yeah, no, I hey, I'm all down for a little snap here and there, you know. I, yeah, I, I, throw I some it. sticks on the ice or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm all for it. Hey, you know, just to wrap up what we were talking about and kind of quantify what. What is acceptable success going forward in these next two years? You know, to me, it's competing for a playoff spot next year. Now, whether you get in or not, but you have to be there next year, I think. And then you have to be in the 
the, the following year, period. Yeah. I think, I think as from, if we add a couple key pieces, I think if we add a, a, a scoring forward, somebody that can put up 30, 30 goals in the season, which was our Ryan Johansson that we don't have anymore, I think we need somebody to fill that void. Um, I don't think it's going to be Nick Foligno. I think, you know. Can it be Wenberg? That's the thing. I think. I think in the future, can't. I don't think in the next couple of years he's going to be putting up thirty. I think you know. I think we're going to be getting maybe fifteen to twenty-five, maybe in that realm. Um, but I think we need to go out and maybe pursue a free agent and uh, pick somebody up next year. I think if we do that, you know, we've we've kind of so we've pretty much solidified our blue line with Seth Jones and maybe if we get Warinsky in there, um, you know. I think we'll, we'll be good. I think success next year, in my eyes, is getting at least that eighth and final playoff spot. I think that's success in my eyes. Who are some awesome targets it, there that you would like to see come to Columbus? What's, I, have no, I don't even know. I honestly, I don't know the, the free agent market. I haven't really looked, looked into it. Um, I wish I could answer that question, but you know, I, just, I haven't really looked into uh, who's available. Um, but I think we need to we got to pursue somebody and the the trade deadline is uh hasn't even approached yet, so it could be in a trade for all we know i don't i don't i don't know we'll we'll see what happens speaking of the trade deadline um the jackets definitely are a team that are candidates for seller uh i think at this point, who are a couple guys that uh have some value for us that we could possibly uh gain some assets back for? Um, I mean, the most talked about guy that I've seen is, uh, Scott Hartnell. I would hate to see Scott Hartnell go, but he's, I believe right now he's leading our team in points. And, uh, so there's a lot of value right there. And a lot of teams are, uh, could, could use a, a Scott Hartnell. Um, he's that player that gets under your skin and, um, you know, there's a lot of teams that could use that. So, you know, as much as I hate to say it, cause Hartnell is, become one of my favorite players on this team. I think he could be a guy potentially on the outs. Um, there was talks about Cam Atkinson earlier in the season, uh, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I think Cam's a blue jacket uh, for, for, for a couple of years to come. Um, but beyond, beyond Hartnell, um, Fetter? possibly I was, that's the, the next guy I was going to bring up was Fetter Tootin. I think he's a guy that could possibly be on the outs. He's that veteran defenseman that, uh, you know, a team could, could, could love to add, you know, he, he knows what to do with the puck. He might be, you know, he's been a little slow this year, according to Tortorella, but, you know, I think at the same time, he's still, he still has, a, has great phenomenal puck work and, and he's a, he's a great defenseman. So I think uh, he could be somebody that a team could be, a team could be wanting at the trade deadline. How much money do you think we have to give another team to take the Rob off our hands? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. Yeah. I don't, uh, I don't know. I think uh, it'd be a lot. <laughs> it'd be a lot of money. Uh, no, I mean, hey, you know, I don't know. I have mixed feelings about Dalton. I mean, I love his – he tries really hard. A, <laughs> That's great. <laughs> he's a good player. He tries. Um, maybe, maybe stick him at a wing or something. I don't know. I just I don't think defense is cutting out for him. You know, you mentioned something when you mentioned Hartnell, and you also mentioned Latestu earlier when we were talking. Mm-hmm. You know, these are the guys that are playoff guys. 
in yeah. hockey, it's different than a lot of sports where it, it doesn't matter what you do in the regular season. When you come to the postseason, it, you can be a different player altogether. And those are mm-hmm. two of those types of guys. Uh, does, how much does that set you back? You know what I mean? To, to give up a guy that is going to even be better come playoff time. Yeah, I mean, it's, I don't know. I guess I mean, you've got to get to the playoffs first for that to matter. Yeah, but. that's exactly. you got to get there. But uh, like, we'll you know what I was it. saying, yeah, like I was saying with Latestu, you know, he's, he's yeah, he is a playoff guy. He's one of those depth guys, you know, when it, it gets down to it and, you know, the intensity of, of the Stanley Cup playoffs is on a whole another level. And, and sure, your, your adrenaline's pumping and, and you're playing – uh, out, out of your out of your mind, but you know you're gonna need those guys when it comes down to it. You're gonna need the Latestus, the the Anisimovs, the you know those those third and fourth line guys to to really push you um, to to where you need to go. So yeah, I think uh, you know it's definitely important to have those guys. And uh, I don't even remember what your question was because I, I got sidetracked there. But <laughs> um, but uh, but yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, they're yeah. important. <laughs> yeah, they're they're they, there. You go. They're important players. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's been a pretty big bright spot here over the last few weeks, and uh, it's the guy between the pipes uh, in replacement oh, yeah. of uh, Sergei Bobrovsky. Jonas Corposello, the rookie, has come out and has absolutely impressed. Uh, do you think he's a future number one? Have you seen enough out of this kid? Um, I, I haven't seen enough out of him, no. Um, but he has, I mean, obviously you hate to see your number one goaltender get hurt. Yes. You know, you don't want to see Bob out. But, you know, if we did not have Bob out, we would have not have seen the emergence of, of Corpus Allo. And, you know, he has been playing out of his mind uh, the, this, this second half of the season. And, you know, I, I think down the road, the way he's playing, absolutely, I think he'll be a number one, a number one goaltender. Um, do I see that happening next year? Not at all. I think, uh, you know, obviously Bob's, Bob's our guy. Bob's going to be that guy in between the pipes next year. I think that, uh, you know, having Corpus Olive as a backup is, is the go-to must option. I think that, I think the reason that Bob is always hurt is because we overplay him. Because not any knock on McElhaney, but you know he's McElhaney. He's he's done a great job as backup for this team for the past couple of years. But um, you know he's a, he's an older guy. I don't think he's as quick. And I think uh, you know the Jackets coaching staff. You know they they play Bob as much as possible because they don't really want to rely or go back to McElhaney uh, as as a starter. So I think we overwork him a lot. Therefore, Bob gets hurt more frequently. So I think if we can bring in Corpus Salov, maybe start him like every third or fourth game. That's going to limit Bob potentially getting hurt as much, and I think uh, we would have a solid one-two punch there. Well, you know, that begs the question. You've got a young guy in Corpusello who definitely needs reps uh, to get to that number one level, uh, yeah. 21, 22, whatever he is. And when you get Bobrovsky back in there, you, you, you mentioned how they like to use him. Do you see it maybe being more of a – or do you think it will be smarter to maybe see more of a timeshare type deal with the two of them and in hopes of keeping mm-hmm. Bobrovsky healthy towards the end of the season, or do you maybe send Corpusello up to Cleveland and bring up a backup just, and then bring Corpusello back if anything happens. So are you, are you referring to this season? 
Next season. Oh, next season. When, when um, Bob's is healthy, is, do you see it evolving as more of a timeshare? Uh, um, or do you see him needing to get the reps and you send him to Cleveland to get the reps, and if anything, yeah. God forbid, were to happen, you, you've got him? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, as a young guy, like like you're saying, you know, it is definitely important to get those reps, especially a, a very young goalie like that. Um, you know, I'm not a coach. I don't know what they're thinking, but as a fan perspective, I would love to have Corpus Allup with the team next year. I would love to. I mean, I'd like to have Bob. Obviously, you're your, your number one go-to guy. He's going to start, you know, the majority of the games. But I think if we, you know, start Bob three games, start Corpus Allup one, start Bob three, you know, Corpus Allup one, keep Corpus Allup in there, um, let Bob rest um, so we don't overwork him. But you know, as a fan, I want to see that one-two tandem next year. I think it would be just so fun to watch. Um, I don't. I wouldn't want to see Corpus Allo in Cleveland. I would want to see him right here in Columbus. Yeah, I think that makes some sense. And like I said, uh, if, if you could, if for no other reason to keep Bob's fresh and healthy mm-hmm. and have a Vezina goalie uh, when we do capture that eighth playoff spot and are taking on the yeah. Penguins again. Yeah, and I mean, if you look around the league, you know, the, some of these best teams or some of the best teams out there have a, a great one-two goalie punch. You know, they, yeah, they have their 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 number one guy, but they also have a backup that uh, you know can win each night as well. So, I think if Corpus Allup can mold into that 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 goalie, I think that that'll be huge for for the Jackets going going forward. You got anything else, D? No. Uh, no, I don't have anything too much. I mean, uh, what do you guys have coming up on the uh, Fifth Line podcast and things like that? What can we expect from the CBJ artillery and all that good stuff, Jordan? Anything that you can put out there for the fans to keep them going as we're waiting for the long march to when the Blue Jackets are the omnipotent hockey team of the NHL? Yeah, um, not not a whole lot happening right now. Um, you know, it's uh, the type of season we have. Uh, it's hard to hard to keep people engaged and 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 things. But uh, you know, obviously, we do have our we are the fifth line podcast. You can find that uh, we do it once a week. Um, we we put it's now available on iTunes, which is uh, took us a while to do that, but we got it up there. Also, you can find it on wearethefifthline.com. Um, but yeah, just uh, follow us on Twitter at the CBJ Artillery, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, all all the social media outlets where. We're on them, and uh, just uh, try to stay engaged with the season. I know it's uh, it's been a tough season, but uh, you know we're we're still having fun over at the CBJ Artillery each uh, each game. One more question for you. Yeah. Go ahead, Chief. Yeah, this is just a general hockey question. Gary Bettman mm-hmm. recently re-signed uh, or uh, extended his contract out. Um, what do you think he's done with the NHL? Was that a great move by the NHL? I mean, you know, not without going through this guy's whole tenure, but do you think he's taking the NHL in the direction that it needs to go and we should have gave him another 20 years? Yeah, I mean, honestly, I think um, you look at any sport and it seems like everybody hates their commissioner. And, you know, you know, everybody True. is not going to be, yeah. I mean, you look at Roger Goodell, I think he's probably one of the most hated ones out there right now. Um, but I think, you know, no one's, you can't make everybody happy. And I think, you know, what 
what uh, Bettman has done is is you know really expand the game to new audiences and uh, expand the markets. And I think I think he's done a fine job. I mean, I don't have anything. I don't hold anything against him. Hell, you know, he he brought the Jackets a franchise. So you know, I'm not going to complain here. Um, so I think uh, you know you can't please everybody. So in my eyes, you know, I think he's he's a fine fine commissioner and he he does a good job. Plus, uh, I, will be, I will continue to be critical of this guy till I see a hockey game in the horseshoe. But that's just me. Oh, I, <laughs> I'm right there with you. I'm right there with you. I don't know why it hasn't happened yet. Plus, it's part of the charm to see Gary Bettman giving the Stanley Cup and getting food with that shit-eating grin yeah, on his face. I would miss that. I, I love it. I mean, I, I, I honestly, I like when they boo him. I, I, like I said, I like the guy, but I like, you know, when he comes out, the NHL draft, and, and the whole place just boos. You know, it's just <laughs> it's entertaining to watch, and, you know, it is what it is. But, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't hold, any, hold anything against the guy. Who would you say is the MVP of this team? Uh, this year, the MVP. Oh boy, <laughs> let me think. Uh, I think we, that's we ask really the hard hitting question. questions. <laughs> that is, honestly, that is a tough question given the season. I'm trying to think. I mean, you gotta have, you gotta hand it to. Uh, I mean, you could go with the easy one being Brandon Saad. He went to the All Star game. He's he's doing a phenomenal job. He's putting. Uh, career numbers up for him, um, but I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with Scott Hartnell. I think he he embodies what a Blue Jacket is. You know, he's that rough and tumble, blue collar, work for it type of player. And because of that, and because of his work work ethic and 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 his style of play, he's leading the team in points, I believe. So I'm gonna go with Scott Hartnell. I think he's the, the team MVP right now. Plus your guys' bromance with him. I mean, come on. I know. You know we, <laughs> we 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 did interview him. We did become best friends. You know, it's no big deal. <laughs> Maybe one B as well. Uh, Brandon Dubinsky, you got to give it. Yeah. Hats off to him for uh, being able to be such a key player in the transition between Brad Richards and John Tortorella, and kind of being the yeah. the player liaison. Uh, yeah. To kind of get the right. note torch. Yeah, you're absolutely you're spot on with that. I mean, he obviously he played with John Tortorella in New York, and those two butted heads in New York big big time. But uh, um, obviously, both have gotten past that and 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 moved moved on. But yeah, I think uh, you know you got to respect Doobie. You know he wears his heart on his sleeve, and and I I appreciate guys that do that, and they're they're not they're not afraid to show any type of emotion out there on the ice and in the locker room and and with in in TV interviews and everything and. He's definitely somebody that, uh, you know, I think uh, also embodies what it is to be a Blue Jacket. And I think uh, he's definitely in the, in, in the running. He's a close second to, to Old Hartsey. <laughs> I, I, I think that's one of the most underrated storylines of this Blue Jacket season is how he his honesty about the situation. Yeah. He could have came out and just been like, oh, yeah, John Tortorella is going to be great. Now, he went into, you know, in-depth that article that came out. I mean, that at least helped me as a Blue Jackets fan kind of cope with what was happening. I mean, I had this guy over yeah. here screaming about Tortorella, you know, for weeks, mm-hmm. you know, to come in and fix this mess. But, I mean, I was a little missed, you know, like just what was going on yeah. and my head was spinning. So uh, yeah. that, that was very easy, at least as a fan of transition, he helped that. And I think that's what you yeah. want players to do sometimes. I know it's a hard position for them to be in. Um, 
Absolutely. And like, that goes back to him. You know, he's Brandon Dubinsky to me is you get what you get. And he's not a guy that's going to sugarcoat things. He's not a guy that's going to um, beat around the bush and, and kind of, you know, give you the answer that you want to hear. He's going to give you the answer that you need to hear, you know? And I think, uh, I think he's uh, a a perfect example of uh, a player that a lot of people respect. And that's why he has that a on, on his chest. I think he also yeah. stepped up on the ice too. Like he just like it just it, you could see it all. Like he was talking it, walking it, you know, or skate talking mm-hmm. it and skating it, you know. Like it just was it was pretty awesome. So that was one of the yeah. the small highlights during that whole thing that was pretty dark times this year. Yep, this yep, season. absolutely. There's another cool relatable side to the Dubinsky story, and it's that I think most most guys, anyways, and a lot of girls too. They can relate to that coach that they hated as a kid. Oh, you know, that just pushed them, and they. That, but you then know, you then you become an adult, and you're like, well, you, you know look, what? You look how kind of silly it was. Yeah, that guy actually yeah. knew what he was talking about a little mm-hmm. bit, and 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 pushed me in the right direction, and maybe pushed me just because he saw some potential, or she absolutely. Saw some potential. Yeah, no, you're you're spot on. I mean, when he started talking about his relationship with Coach Richards. I immediately flashed back, and this is no joke, and I'm, I'm glad you brought it up. I immediately flashed back to um, one of my baseball coaches I had in high school for a couple of years. I despised the guy, but I look back on it now where you know, he was literally just pushing me to be better. And at the time, I'm like, you know, I don't want to run these poles. You know, you're making me run 15 poles after I'm done pitching a, a, a six-inning game. I'm like, yeah, I don't want to do this. But, you know, he kept on me, he kept hounding me, and he would – you know, he was always on my case, and I always thought he was like a personal attack on me. And looking back now, I'm kind of like, no. You know, he was just literally pushing me to be the best I could be. And, you know, since then, obviously, you know, I was in high school. He was a grown adult and all that stuff. But, you know, I see him um, from time to time, and, you know, we have the best uh, best relationship. And, you know, I I even told him, you know, I used to hate you. He's like, oh, I know you did. I know you did. And But, uh, <laughs> you, know, I, you know, you look back now, and you know, he's just trying to make you a better player. Yeah, in the rare age of cynicism and apathy with the contact that we were able to have through social media and media, um, I just think that 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 the way that all that transpired and the way he, he stepped up, a lot of players could, you know, not that they shrink in the moment, but they just choose not to talk about it. You know, like yeah. he could have said, hey, you know, guys, come. he could have been doing it behind the scenes, I mean. That's a more mm-hmm. appropriate way to say it, or a more accurate way to say it. He could have been doing that inside the locker room with the other guys, but we would have never known that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. I just think that it was just I, I like it, we all said the same things, but that to me has been one of the uh, most remarkable things in this season. That you know we know it didn't live up to expectations, but at least those are the kind of things I think you, is definitely a building block for the things that you guys are hoping for to happen with the Blue Jackets yep. in this five-year plan that we move forward with. Yep, absolutely. And yeah, I, I'm right there with you when you say that, you know, he, he let, he let the fans know, you know, if, if, I don't think if, if he would have not have let the fans kind of know the situation, what was happening, then that leads, that opens the door for just speculation, you know, is, is Dubinsky and Tortorella getting along, you know, and, and that, then that leads to rumors. And then that leads just to just online social media crap on, on your Twitter feed. So the, the fact that he just, he opened up to it right away was, was pretty cool. And, and, and exactly what you're saying. Great stuff, Jordan. Thank you, as always. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys. I really appreciate it. And we are the fifth line. Yep, we are. (laughs) Thanks a lot, Jordan. All right, man.
Yeah, we, we'll, we'll, we'll find a way, but that's great stuff, man. Uh, we appreciate you. I appreciate it. Hopefully, uh, yeah, uh, I wasn't trying to, wasn't trying to just throw uh, the Yarmo under the bus or anything, man, but that's just, you know, oh, no, you're good, man. I've been, I've been very, I've been very, I just thought that was a watershed moment, the side trade. Um, yeah. You know, I just thought it was a watershed moment for him. Yeah. At least I, that they, like, like, people uh, can yeah, point I'm, back to it in a couple of years. They'll be like, well, he traded for Brandon Side. Like, we're, we're the Blue Jackets franchise now, you know? So, yeah. Yeah, no, you're, you're totally good. Like, I'm, I'm kind of with you on I'm kind of indifferent. I don't know how I feel about it still to this day. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm with I you. I had never thought one. about it, though. You guys said it, and I don't know why. I just didn't realize it because, I, I mean, maybe I'm not that laser focused on it. But any GM wants to come in and bring their – it doesn't matter what sport. wants to bring their own guys in. So, like, I didn't think yeah. about, like, the, the, most of those guys are housing guys. I thought about them as they're Blue Jackets guys to me. You know, those are the yeah. guys I've been watching, yeah. you know, so – yeah, I mean that that 2014 playoff team. I mean, 90% of those guys were all Houston. So I mean, I think a lot of people don't realize that. And so it's, I definitely want to see how uh, how Yarmo and JD work the draft and see their guys develop in the next couple of years and then see what happens. And then if that doesn't work, yeah, then get out of here. And like I said on Saad, I, I think Saad giving give him another year in the locker room and be more comfortable. I think we're going to mm-hmm. see the game kind of slow down for him. He's already putting up great numbers, uh, yeah. but I just see that little bit of tepidness, I guess. And the, yeah, and the fact that we don't have – I still think we need another power forward. I don't know how we're going to get it or or who's available, but the fact that we don't have Johansson now is – I think we're going to see, you know, Saad really fill that, fill that void. Do you think there and was something he, there that he couldn't play with Saad, or that was just just moving and trying to make a move to make a move? I I don't know. I mean, he was just – there was something about Joey this year. He just seemed so disinterested. I don't think he was fitting our system. And I think with the addition of Saad, I think that was taking away a lot of opportunity that Johansson potentially could have had. So I think that's why – one reason I think his numbers were kind of down. But, I mean, I, did, I just don't think he was fitting the system of John Tortorella, and that's why he really wasn't uh, wasn't performing too well. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I just think yeah. that they're almost clones uh, uh, of each other, yeah. except I think Saad's got a little uh, bit better motor, and I think that's what it came down to was the yep. motor. Absolutely. That's what I, 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 I agree got one 100%. More thing I want to add in here because we had talked about it before and I forgot about it. It was one thing uh, when I saw we were talking to you that uh, we had kind of got into. Would it be a Black yeah. History Month? Seth Jones being on the Columbus Blue Jackets. This is for recording, so just so you know. Uh, okay. Would it be a Black History Month? And it's something that we had spoken on a previous podcast about Jordan. Seth Jones now being on the Blue Jackets. How do the Blue Jackets take advantage of that opportunity to market to, you know, maybe an audience that doesn't always come down to Nationwide Arena? Um, will we see them make a push like they used to with uh, Jean-Luc Grandpierre? I mean, will we see Seth Jones maybe featured a little bit more in the Blue Jackets marketing? Yeah, I think uh, for sure. I think the fact that you have i mean let, let's just be real i mean hockey you know there's it's there's not too many african americans in in the sport so i think when you have a player of especially the caliber of seth jones i mean he's just a phenomenal phenomenal hockey player i think uh i think it's important for the jackets to kind of mold him into a key position in terms of marketing and i think you know putting him in commercials putting him on billboards and and with you know with with other players as well, you know, making sure he's he's a part of the focal point going forward, I think is pretty big, um, a pretty big step the Jackets can make to uh, 
to drive diversity with, within within our team and, and the National Hockey League. Yeah, I think there needs to be a push. That's the only, and this goes back to the betting thing. That's the only thing uh, I could say I could criticize the National Hockey League right now. I think they need to, you know, promote diversity a little bit more. I mean, not even the black-white yeah. thing. They have players from all over the world. I think it's just like yeah. a hockey, like, uh, uh, misnomer or a hockey. It's, it's like we just, uh, okay, we know these guys are from everywhere. The sports started getting it. We got guys from Russia, Sweden, and we know where hockey's mm-hmm. big at all over the world. But you got to, like, for a casual fan, you know, that makes it a little, because you can give the transition over for people that watch Olympic hockey. Like, they might not watch, you know, NHL every night. You might be able to make the connection a little easier for those kind of folks. Um, and then, yeah. too, when we're talking about diversity, P.K. Subban, you know, you, you think now we got Seth Jones. I mean, thank God we don't have Vander Kane, who was somebody I did want the Blue Jackets to acquire, because this guy yeah. didn't even, you know, wake up and get to, you know, practice one time. So, you know, you, yeah, you got to promote the guys that are doing it the right way as well. So that's why Absolutely. I wanted to get that I mean, Vander Kane dig in there. So. But, um, yeah, no, I I agree with that. I would not want Kane on the team. I, I agree with you on that one. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, Seth Jones, I mean, the type of player he is, the how well-spoken he is, you know, I think he's somebody that can definitely be a great ambassador for, for not only the Blue Jackets but the NHL. I think it's something you definitely should uh, – the, the NHL and Jackets should uh, definitely utilize to uh, to really promote uh, diversity within, within, the, within the league. It's funny when you bring up uh, Black History Month and hockey. It reminds me that Jim Rome had an interview with Wayne Gretzky. This is shit, ten years back, fifteen years back, and I don't remember what was going on. But Jim Rome was asking Wayne Gretzky about uh, the black eye for uh, hockey, and Wayne interpreted it as a question about black guys. In hockey. <laughs> <laughs> so he answered the whole question. <laughs> That's hilarious. As as if he was answering a question about black guys in hockey and the diversity <laughs> in hockey. Did, uh, really, did Jim oh, Rome correct him afterwards? Yeah, uh, remember how it went down exactly? Yeah. How that? Uh, I'll have to look that up. That sounds, yeah. that sounds hilarious. <laughs> it was really funny. That's funny. All right. All thanks right. a lot, Jordan. Yeah, thank you, guys. All right, man. See you around the rink. Talk to you soon, man. Sounds good. Yeah, just uh, tag my personal Twitter and the artillery, and I'll make sure to uh, uh, retweet you guys. Perfect. Awesome, man. Thanks right. for everything, guys man. Thanks for the Yeah, thanks too, again, man. man. Yeah, no problem, man. Thank you, guys. Peace. Bye. You want to do anything on the outro right now? Uh... Do you want to promote the show? I mean, like, what, what's going on with your show and all that? That's what I wanted to ask you. Oh, uh, I'm, I've been doing it every week, two to four. Um, I've actually got the job fair, though, this week down – or I'm sorry, next Thursday down at Nationwide. So I'm not doing it this week because I'm going into the studios to work on demo stuff. Okay. So I don't think I'm going to do it this week, but it's every two to four or every Friday, two to four for the most part. Um, yeah if you like that interview and Blue Jackets talk and all things Ohio check us out you can check us out live every Friday 2 to 4 4 on air.com all you gotta do is go download the tune in app and search score on air and turn it on from 2 to 4 and listen to With an Ohio Bias live every Friday 2 to 4
As always, go CBJ. We are the fifth line. The Union Blue Pride will be back with you talking hockey and more, and get ready. We've got an explosive show 82 coming uh, with all things from the Super Bowl to March Madness and a lot more. So we'll be getting at you here with more sports from the Ohio lens. This is with an Ohio Bias podcast for real fans with D and J. All right, we'll be revving it up on Sunday, enjoying the Daytona 500, and be back at you here with more great sports through an Ohio lens. This is with an Ohio bias, a podcast for real fans with D and J. All right, man, I got to get some sleep. So I was sleep, and I, uh, that's why I was late trying to get everything set up. So, uh, oh, no problem, man. I know you're burning at both ends. Where are you at? Are you still? Yeah, I'm still Virginia? in Virginia Beach, but I just started a new job, and I really can't use my phone at the job because um, it's basically I'm doing like a I'm processing medical records for veterans. Um, uh, like they're trying to get the VA to be paperless, which is like the it, it's a great goal. But as you follow, as you know, the VA problem. Oh, I yeah. know why it's all screwed up now. So um, is that right? But, <laughs> so yeah, you're, like, you're because, of like, because of like HIPAA and stuff like that, you can't have a phone with a camera and stuff like that. You can't be using your phone at work. So that's why. Like I, I'm able to hit some stuff early in the morning and hit some stuff at lunchtime, but you know I'm a little bit off the screen. Yeah. So, gotcha. Uh, I do what I can, and uh, people will have to. Yeah, we've been live, getting a, live live a like little this, less over the last couple of days. It's been better than it was with me trying to hit as much as I could. So I, I've been. <laughs> it's funny to me. So less, less has literally been more. So. <laughs> there you go. All right, cool, man. Um, yeah, that's about it. All right, man. Just send me an email. I'll let you know. I'm trying to get this thing out. Uh, it'll be out probably. I'll get the Daytona 500 one out uh, tomorrow. So, cool. but then they get yeah, the other one up Saturday. So, yeah, no big hurry on the jackets one. All right, man. Actually... Thanks a lot. All right, thank you. Talk to you later.
Waiting on a tax return? Hopefully it ends up in your hands. Fraudulent tax returns due to identity theft increased by 30% in 2023. If you're in a bind this tax season, LifeLock can help. Our U.S.-based restoration specialists are experts dedicated to helping solve your identity theft issues. And all LifeLock plans are backed by the Million Dollar Protection Package. So we'll reimburse you up to the limits of your plan if you lose money due to identity theft. Help protect your information this tax season with LifeLock. Save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com aware.